Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Basil Wilbur. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Amen. Well, tonight I'm going to teach a, a message on, I'm going to call this, Promise is in Perception. Say that to yourselves. Promise is in Perception. And then let's just, you don't have to stand, but let's just close our eyes and just ask God. Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to please bless this service, Lord. Lord, let me deliver it the way that I received it. Help me, dear God, to, to uh, teach it right and let the people's hearts and ears be open to listen. Dear God, that we would be better at our perception. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> let's go ahead and put up Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. Now, I ask you this question, and um, I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or wrong or not. I'm not you know, obviously, I'm not going to tell you because uh, I'm asking you the question. But in the Bible, um, if you were not looking at this scripture, would you think that Jesus is a respecter of persons, or would you think that he's not a respecter of persons? So, so you think he is a respecter of persons? Or you think he's not? <clears throat> and so it goes on to say this. This is Peter's perception, okay? It says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And no matter how you get this, this is what came to me. So as I'm studying for this message, all of a sudden this stands out to me the very next um, verse says, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now, this is a big deal. Okay, now let's, let's go over it one more time. Can we back up? That way. Okay, thank you. Then Peter opened his mouth and he said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. And generally, that's where a lot of us, including myself, seems to stop when I'm talking to somebody and I just say that. And then I go on to the next verse. Let's go to the next verse. It says, but in every nation that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Okay, so now let's go to Genesis chapter 4. In verse 3, Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3. And in a process of time came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Verse 4. And Abel he also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. In verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, but unto Cain... And to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. This is what the Lord said in verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shall rule over him. Now, in this scripture, 
The whole world is teaching us, just accept me for who I am. And if we're not careful in our loving way, we just say, well, the Lord's no respecter of person. But in this, in this um, text, he's saying, to, you know, in the text with Peter, he says, but in every nation, he that feareth him with righteousness is accepted with him. To Cain, he says, if you do right, you'll be accepted. But if you don't, I don't respect you or I don't respect your offering. So tonight, I just want to start off the message with, you know, I really believe that the promise is in the perception. Um, all of us perceive things and it's because we perceive them on who we are. And sometimes we seem to think that who we are is where is the balanced mind and life. And, and we make the decision. It's our perception. This is where it's at. I perceive this is it. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The things that you eat and you drink and you, and you take in is what makes you who you are. Life itself that you absorb helps you have a human perspective. And that's where you can agree to your persuasion. Does that make any sense at all? I'm just giving it to you like I got it. Perception is a remarkable thing for the good or for the bad. It, it makes people who they are. And I'll give you an instance. Could you be going every day, enjoying life, and all of a sudden you get a phone call, and your whole perception of life could change in an instant? Everything you thought this day now could change because of the phone call. Even your perception to the Lord or your perception to your family or your perception to your own health. The songs that were sung tonight was basically, I think sometimes our heart cries out to God when our brain doesn't, truthfully, because it, it, it probably compels us to want to listen to him when our head doesn't. And um, when we don't have a sound mind at times, I think that our heart reaches out because the spiritual side of us connects with God and it reaches out. And so if, they're, if you're going to work, and I've been around guys, uh, you know, all excited, I riding with them to work and, and uh, we stop and, man, buy uh, coffee and donuts and, and beef sticks and get in the car and head to work and having a big day and getting ready for the weekend and then all of a sudden somebody comes and gives one of them a pink slip and they get laid off. And on the way home, their whole perception of the weekend, their perception of who they are, their perception of their value, their perception of when we stop at the gas station and I go in to get some more donuts because I'm not laid off, they sit in the car because now they got to save money because they've been laid off. Our, our perception says a lot about who we are. I'm always amazed at people that can go through a struggle or get a phone call, and in the very next second, you know, they can turn that around and, and trust God. And I think it's, I think it's um, 
it's not as often as we would like. There's few people that, I mean, I remember one uh, uh, guy in Appleton, his mom passed away, and on Sunday night, his mom passed away during the week, on Sunday night, he was up worshiping, jumping around the altar, and I'm like, how could that be? But his perception was not about um, his mom dying, his perception was on God. And I think, you know, do we only perceive him to be the joyous God when our life is good? Or are we like those in the jail that are still singing even when they're locked up, you know, waiting for a miracle because they perceive God to be the healer, the deliverer, the one that breaks them out. And, um, you know, I just say when things happen, our perception could be very dangerous. And um, we need to get the right perspective perspective you know um, I'm never going to be able to go through all these notes tonight like I wish I really wish I could but I want to tell you when David took off his dad said take this lunch and go feed it to your brothers I I I can almost visualize what David was thinking when he was going out there when he gets out there his brother tells him I know thy naughtiness in thy heart you come out here, and, and where's those few sheep? Starts demeaning him, making him feel little. You know, few sheep, this, that. The words he says to him to try to get him, you know. And, and David blew past all of that. Where is this rotten guy? He's looking for him. He's not even listening to the cutting down of his brother. He's not listening to uh, the armor not fitting. He's not listening to anything. His perception was built on his knowledge of knowing who God was and not his situation. So I think sometimes our situation, if we're not careful, will draw us away from God and when it should draw us to God. See, the armies of Israel looked at Goliath and their perception was they were small. David looked at Goliath and in his perception, he was small because God's so big. Amen? Man, you clap your hands. That's good stuff right there. Good stuff. That's good. If, if, if I blow it through the rest of this, that right there enough was worth coming through the cold. Let's speak about cold. Think about cold one time. You know, your perception of snow. Sometimes you love snow. You got a snowmobile, you can't wait for it to snow. As you get older, like I do, and the kids are around, I don't want it to snow because then I have to shovel. You know, snow to me is a bother. You know, it, it, it makes me do things that I don't want to do. It's cold and all those other things. But if you want to build snowmans, you want snow. If you want to have snowball fights, you want snow. Your perception of snow incident is a lot different. Late at night, the kids are like, oh, I hope it snows so I don't have school tomorrow. And you're hoping that it don't snow because you know you got to go to work and you know you got to go through. So you're both fighting with your own perceptions of what the snow is going to be. In the same household, eating the same Cheerios before you go to bed. You're different because your mind's thinking different. And, um, you know, I think it's just the way that we look at things. Luke 6 and 41 says, um, basically, why, don't, why do you look at the speck, basically, or the moat in your brother's eye, but perceiveth not thy beam in thine own eye? How is our perception of what our brother is supposed to do 
how can we perceive what they're supposed to be when, we're, when we should be looking at what we should be? You know, perception. Um, many times, as you get older in life, you got to pick up the phone and call people and say, man, I'm sorry. Ha, my perception of this was not reality, you know? Matter of fact, I remember there's times when I basically almost chewed my dad out because he wouldn't get out of bed to go hunting with us. He's like, Basil, I hurt. I'm sore. And I'm pulling on one foot. And my brother's pulling on his arm trying to get him out of bed. And he's sore. He's like, I don't want to go hunting. <laughs> but now I understand. Man, hang up the gear. Let's have breakfast. You know what I mean? But my perception now is different. So as I get older, I start seeing things different. You know, um, Jeanette has a, a, a niece and nephew, and uh, they're really, really, I, I just love her. And uh, her husband, he married, he's just a funny guy. But we were at a family outing, and uh, uh, he was complaining about the kids, and uh, he was, they don't have kids, as you can tell already. And he was telling us all how to raise our kids, and, and uh, you know, how we're supposed to do with kids, and, and um and he had these two big nasty dogs been barking ever since I got there. And, and they, were, they were in everything, doing everything, and he, he wouldn't tell them to shut up. He wouldn't tell them nothing. He didn't train them at all. They just... And um, finally I couldn't help myself, and I said, you know, I think before you train kids, you ought to train some dogs. <laughs> and... Uh, because my perception was, I don't think he's got a clue what he's talking about. You know, people that don't have kids don't understand kids. And then when you get kids, your perception is different. And then when somebody does something wrong, my perception is now, I want to give mercy because, man, they're my kids. You know, can you give them mercy? You know, they're not the neighbor kids no more. Now they're mine. And... uh I'm a mercy. Now they're not, uh, somebody else's kids running down the, uh, matter of fact, there's a kid running right in there right now, and mom's after him. <laughs> Just loving life. And, and what's wrong with it? Right? So sometimes our perception, if it's your grandbaby, if it's the person you taught a Bible study to, I, I have a perception of, Please give him mercy. Could you be sweet to him? Could you be nice to him? Could somebody pray for him? Because my perception of that person being here is a lot different than maybe somebody else's at that time. And um, perception is a very, very strange thing. As I started doing this message, I'm thinking, wow. I mean, I went through like, I don't know how many forgives me, lords, and what was me, and wanting to make phone calls, and thinking about the things that I, because I started thinking back about things that I said that I would do this, you know? And then sometimes people will say, well, um, well, I don't know what, I, but I would work. I would do that. And, and you don't know because you're not in that situation. You don't know what that person would do in their home. They're trying to raise a family. And then now you make them feel guilty that, that he's going to go and work and, and you don't see the perception from his home. And I, I learned a lot from Pastor lately. He just... He is the best listener in the world. I, I always want to just fix it right away. So I have the answers. So just ask me. And I just tell you right away. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. 
I mean, up to this point, up to 40, how old am I, 46? Up to 46, I have all the answers. So from 46 down, you ask me, I'll give you the answer. I'm learning how to be like pastor more and just listen. And you know what? I don't even have to answer it. I just want to be here to listen to you, and then you're probably going to come to a conclusion yourself, or maybe as you speak, your perception might change. And um, the Bible even teaches that, that we should be slow to answer, uh, you know. But in John chapter 4 and verse 19, the woman at the well said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now she was right. In her short period of time of being with the Lord, the most she could perceive is that he was a prophet because he prophesied to her. It's very important to have this in the Bible because this is a clear example of as the Lord does things in your life, he becomes prophet, he becomes healer, he becomes friend. So you not only perceive him as prophet now, you perceive him as father. You know, I had I, I a mistake there. I thought about the cross. You perceive him as dying for your sins, taking away all the stuff that you did in your life. And how could he do that? I mean, I don't, you folks didn't do anything wrong, but I did a few things wrong. I was happy to go in that water and, and think about the fact that, and even, even every day that goes by, He's just such a merciful God. And um, my perception of the cross and, and um, the things he's did. So as we grow in our relationship with God, this woman was just a meeting, just one meeting, she calls him a prophet. And she was right, but he's much more than that. She could have went on and on, but that's all she knew about him. But some of you know. I think that's the value of who we are as Christians because now, like, just like Pastor Steve's been through things, he could go to somebody and he could say, look, I was right there exactly where you were at. But let me tell you what, he's a healer. Let me tell you what, he's a provider. I was right there where you were at, but now let me tell you, my perception of him has changed because not only did he do this, now he's done that. And I think our perception of him will continually change. As we live out our life, we start to see him not as the, not as the one that's going to punish us, but the one that I can't wait until I get to heaven and see him. I'm not worried about the punishing anymore. Now I'm worried about the, I can't wait to see him. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Amen. Your perception changes. Now, when you're 18 years old and, you know, folks, I tell my wife this all the time. We'll go talk to people and, and they will be so hard on their kids. And I say, oh, can you just imagine what it was? Do you remember what it was like? And of course, my wife, she was an angel. And because she had been an angel, I had to play the devil. And I did things. And in all those times that I was doing things, I knew the Lord. And, and, um, it would hurt me and then I would ask forgiveness and then I would do things and I would ask forgiveness. It was this tormental thing because I'm trying to get through this youth age. I'm trying to figure out who I am, what I'm doing, what's gonna, you know, and you make a million mistakes and you like to go back and fix them all. But, you know, I'm sticking up for boys. It's tough to get through that period, you know. And then when you make it through that, 
and you get yourself a wife and you're so busy working you can't do anything wrong anymore. Um, you just want to hide and sleep from everybody or find a boat and fish. But your rowdiness starts slowing down. Things start, you know. And as you get older, you start realizing the fact that your perception changed because now it's not about your life, but now it's about your kids. You start raising kids and you're focusing on them. And so I'm just telling you as, as a dad, you know, if, if, you know, when you're raising boys, uh, you know, or you're raising uh, girls, just please uh, hear it from me. Um, when you get older, you'll be a little more easy on them. And I, maybe, you know, my, I, I think that it would have been nice if we could have been grandparents first and then go back and then be parents or something like that because I, I would take back a few of the old spankings. I mean, I give them spankings sometimes that they probably, I don't know. I'm not sure if they had them coming. I, I'm feeling kind of sad I give them a couple. But they're still walking, so. But your perception changes. And, um, you know, uh, you, he goes from being not just the, the normal, but he goes to being the super God um, when you need him. Now, everybody has opinions and persuasion. And, uh, you know, they perceive things differently. They perceive how church should be. Now, we have a great church. And um, some churches are, are, that I've been in are really scary. Seriously, they're scary. And, but our church is great because it seems to be a family and that we adjust with each other. We understand that some need this and some need that. And it looks like this church, since I've been here, will fluctuate with music, will, with understanding, with preaching, with teaching, all kinds of things. We're a family-oriented church, so you can see us fluctuating all the time. It's not always, you know, when I, when I was a kid, um, there was only like, you know, 40 women in the church and, and two guys. And the preacher, he got up there and screamed at everybody all the time. And I would just seriously just, you know, if, if, if God wouldn't punish me, I just want him to shut up. He's always yelling. Who's he yelling at? You know? And he was always mad about things. And, um, you know, I, I know I told you the story before, but I'm going to tell you it again one more time. As a kid leaving the house, you need to hear the story again. As a kid leaving the house, my mom, this is my mom. She's just beautiful blonde. She just, you know, I... She had six kids, and dad wouldn't go to church. He would always let her go, but he wouldn't go to church. And, and uh, my mom, she would get us all ready for church, and, and she had hair, man. She'd poof out that hair, and she'd be in there fixing it all up, getting it all fancy. And then before we go out the door, she would do it all the time. She'd stop by the couch and ask dad, Sonny, will you please take us to church? Then she'd start bawling. Then we go through this over and over, and we're sitting in the car waiting. Finally, she comes and gets in the car, and man, she slams the door, and she floorboards her. The cop stops us. I remember this one particular time. The cop stopped us on the way there and gave her a ticket, and she had it coming. Um, and uh, so now, it's, now we're late for church. And we come walking into church. Now, you got to imagine there's six kids. And I'm sure 
Without dad being there, we were probably a handful for that church. I'm just thinking. Uh, my sisters were normal, but us boys were probably a handful. And we come walking in church, and, and here's uh, the late Wilbers. And I remember the lady at the door saying, oh, the late Wilbers. And then the pastor getting on my mom because she was supposed to be doing something with Sunday school. And I just thought, why do you even do it? Why? My perception as a little kid was, why do you even do this? I mean, seriously? I mean, you did all that, and you get here and you get yelled at. And then she would do it, and she would do it, and she'd do it. And then eventually one day it caught into my heart, and I said to myself, I want to change this. If I ever get a chance, I'm going to change it. Because I perceive that I've seen it on the other side. And that's what makes us different in life is because we see things. Maybe he never seen his mom fly down. My mom, let me tell you one more story about my mom. We got time. We are flying down the highway. And I mean, we are flying. And, um, you know, in those days, you didn't have seat belts. You were everywhere. And my dad wasn't in the car. And the lady pulled up next to us on the expressway, and she's pointing at my mom like this. And my mom, she's waving. And uh, she's, I don't know where my mom was, but she was oblivious or bolivious or whatever, how you were saying those words to what was happening in the back. So this lady, she's veering at my mom. She's, you know, want mom to pull over. She's doing everything else but just slamming into the car. Well, what we were doing in the back, and, and you know, in Michigan, everything rust out. So we pull up the mat and Rick was skipping his feet off the highway. Yeah. We were taking turns. Yeah. So, needless to say, she didn't pay attention a lot. <laughs> but I love her. I love her for that. Because we got away with a lot. But, you know... Uh, yeah, I don't know about my mom, but I do know that she, was, she is something. Even to this day, she's just something. I think one of the greatest things that you can do is when you can overlook people. My mom always would say, you know, you're going to be great. She would always look, overlook whatever situation you were in and see the good. Now, my dad, on the other hand, he would pick her out for you. <laughs> He'd say that. <laughs> so you have to have a balance. So if you're either one of them, but don't be both one way, I don't think. In Isaiah 55 and 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Um, he's above us. And it goes on to say, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my ways uh, than your thoughts. Meaning that I think it's very good if we see people through God's eyes. Because his thoughts and ways are above our ways. Because if we only see them in the way we perceive them, I think we're making a mistake, you know? How many times have you ever did something and you said something and you're like, oh, it wasn't even really the situation. You, now you missed, you said something stupid. 
And you're like, I wish I could take that back. Because you perceive something that wasn't even real. How many, people, how many times have you ever been mad at somebody, they didn't even know you were mad at them, and you blew up at them, and they're like, well, what's wrong? You know? Then you have to apologize for another hour because you, you, you perceived something. You seen something visually, but you didn't even know what it was. You never cared to ask. I mean, that happens to me, so I know that it might happen to a couple of you guys. But God's ways are above those us. You know, like when we were flying in the airplane, it's, remember I kept talking about perception. I kept thinking that in my head, you know, perception. Because I kept thinking, I come to church on Sunday morning, and this place is packed. I mean, it's packed. And I'm thinking, wow. And my pastor in, in Appleton, at that time, he started preaching, slide over, company's coming. And he's got a great message. I, I could preach that, but it would, it's his. But basically what it was was, don't, don't let your perception be... I don't want to smell the person because they stink. I don't want to hear crying kids. When we carnally, see, when you are here on a Sunday morning and you're hearing kids crying, you ought to be saying, looks like revival. When somebody slides in next to you and they stink, you ought to say, looks like revival. Because your smeller starts thinking, your senses start thinking. It's not always, was the always way it will always be. Now it's different. So when you hear and see things that might normally irritate you, on the spiritual sense, you ought to say, wow, we're growing, slide over. And pastor would always tell us, you know, don't sit in the end, slide in, so that, because when people come, they don't feel comfortable getting, the, you know, I mean, especially when you just sit there and you brace yourself, you know, to the front. <laughs> and they got to jump over you or climb over the back, you know, Yeah. Uh, if you see men picking their wives over and setting them in, you might want to slide over. And uh, so that's where we're at. And so our perception is now, obviously, Pastor was just preaching this. His vision is we're growing. It's revival. And, and so we need to make room because they're coming. And that's what our perception ought to be. It shouldn't be, ah, oh, I'm so upset because I went to the bathroom and the bathroom is full. And I just think I'm going to leave this church because I need to go to a place where there's more bathrooms. And you know what? We got there, our seat was taken, and I'm just going to go somewhere else. And, and when you start feeling uncomfortable because something may be getting taken away from you, realize that we're growing. And our perception needs to be, wow, we're growing. You know? So... um. When you start seeing people, I mean, on Sunday morning, I looked around, there was couples all over the place. I didn't even know who these people were. I thought, God, you are really doing that, you know? And um, so I think that God has just placed us here for the perfect time. Our church is in the right spot at the right time for the right people, for the right situation. Amen? So I want to um, finish uh, this up basically by talking about our team and um, I, I feel comfortable talking about our team because I'm one of the players. Now, if I was the, the coach, I would, I, you would have to come in a different perspective. But since I'm one of you, one of your kind, I can talk to you about it like I got it. And this is kind of how I got it. Let's go to Numbers 13. Numbers 13. That's a book you guys read all the time. It's in the beginning of the Bible. It's like math class in the front. 
Okay. Numbers 13 and verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess, for we will be able to overcome it. Because he had a perception of an overcomer. He believed that he could take it. He believed that God would give it. So he was excited. He seen things different than these other folks seen things, you know. Um, uh, so big committees sometimes are nice when you, you got 12, but sometimes it's nice to just get two, <laughs> you know. 50-50 chance probably of one of them agreeing with you. But just kidding, I just threw that in there. But anyways, um, Caleb and Joshua, they were all in. They were like, let's go take that. Are you kidding me? Now, I wasn't here when you guys were taking this. But I know that there's Joshua and Caleb's all over in this room. You don't get a place like this. You don't get property like this in Econowoc. You don't get what we have here with somebody sitting on their hands and, and doing nothing. There was somebody that had vision that said, let's take this. And then there was a group of people that went with them. You don't get this. But I think that we haven't arrived at any place. I believe that there's, there's more. Amen. And um, so Caleb's telling them, come on, let's take this. And, but the men went up with him. We be not able. <laughs> let, me, let me read this the way I got it. We be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. Hmm. Those kind of people sometimes, I tell you. You know, here, here's a thought. If somebody just got a bad phone call and they, they got some kind of bad call from the doctor, don't tell them that, well, if you get through it, you might this or that, um, you know, uh, but uh, I'll be here with you, you know. Uh, I went through a thing like that too and uh, my cousin, she passed away from it and, uh, you know, what? <laughs> Friend, throw those people out of the house. You want somebody that when you go through bad something and they start talking to you, you say, well, find a scripture. There's a ton of them. Find something. Find a victory somewhere, sometime, someplace, and start telling them. Because you've got to change their perception because all of a sudden it can start going in the wrong direction. Don't be one of these people. We be smaller than them. And they brought up an evil report. I hate evil reports. Nothing worse than an evil report. Everybody can point out the carnal obvious. I don't know how you guys are going to do it next week with you, oh, you working. You know? This car is just a piece of junk. Your perception's got to change a little bit. And I'm not talking like I'm talking to you like that. I'm saying I'm talking to myself too. You know? And like I said, Christmas time comes when everybody gets new clothes. You all feel so good because your perception changes. You all go walk around smelling each other, like smell, smell this. And your perception is for a, for a short period of time, you're all kings in a castle. You got plenty of food. You got smelly stuff. You got new clothes. And you all feel different because your perception is different. And then two months later when you have to pay for all that stuff that you bought, your perception changes. <laughs> but 
some seen giants there, they saw giants. They're like, they're like David, the army that David was with. They seen giants. They said, oh, there's giants. We can't take it. Do you see giants or do you see the giant? You know, how, what's your perception? Just go in and take the land. So as a team, we're not losers, we're winners. You know, I, I am apologizing for this, Pastor, because I almost did it, and I, you would have been really upset with me, but I, we were having a really good time, I think it was two weeks ago, and I thought about going to that side and going, let's do the wave, and then going across here. Because it just came in my mind, and if I'm not careful... My mind, my body leaves before my mind tells it to sit back down, you know. And, but seriously, in all seriousness, I was going to go over there and I was going to go do, come on, let's do the wave, you know. i never seen a wave in church. And, and, uh, but I didn't do it. But we're not losers, we're winners. And, you know, I just, you know, I'm thinking, let's just do something cool, you know. And um, so I'm on the edge that needs to be reeled in sometimes, you know, so I, I'll agree to that. So if I ever do that, just forgive me because there's somebody in here that's stable enough to balance me out on the other side. But I want to be a winner. I, I, I want the enemy to be a loser and I want him to know he's a loser. And when somebody's getting a victory, I want to tell him, you know, I want to do the wave. We're winners, you know, you're a loser. And, um, Ever since I was a little kid, uh, my mom said I would walk around the house. Um, I love Jesus, hate the devil. Because I, I, she said, and you would take your foot and stomp him out. Nah, it was really cool. I was a good singer back then. And then sometimes you see yourself as the victim. How do you see yourself? You know. Um, you know, there's all kinds of miracles that happen, but. If you can overcome situations in your family and, at a, and after a period of time, your family comes to church and you win them over, that's just one of the biggest miracles I can think of. Or, you know, or, you know, I see ladies in church forever hoping for their husbands to come in or husbands in church hoping for their, or parents hoping for their kids. And, and man, the day they walk through the door, it's almost like, let's the band play. You know, it's victory day. And, it, and if you didn't embarrass them, it would almost be like you all want to walk up and give them a hug or do a dance around the church or let's go seven times around the building because the one they've been praying for came home. You know, and the enemy is a loser and we're winners. And our perception has to be that way. Behavior is often based on our perception. Here, let me give you one that I always fall into. That kid's lazy. And, you know, he's not working, not doing anything. You know, he's just relaxing. And, and you know, it's a good thing that my wife, she, she loved them because she would say, you know, he's only eight. I would say, what is he doing in here? He should be doing something. The kid's lazy. And, you know, because I perceive something different than she perceived. And just because somebody is sitting on a park bench don't necessarily make them lazy. But sometimes it does to me. Because I'm thinking, well, we got to be moving. We got to, some, we got to go. Um, so you perceive, you know, you don't understand relaxing. You only understand moving. So you perceive that the person may be lazy. So I'm just saying, this happens, how we perceive people, you know. And um, 
Last, everybody wants to be on the team, but do they want to be a part of the team? You know? I mean, when I was in basketball in high school, quite frankly, I, I was lucky to make the team in the first place. And really, I didn't even care to be on the team, but you got some kind of, um, it's like you got a promotion in high school when you got to be on a team. And then, and then I got the cheerleader, so I, that, that was a benefit too. But um, my perception was really great of being on the basketball team until like the last three games of the season, the whole stands started kicking their feet. We want Wilbur, we want Wilbur. My, my perception of wanting to be on that team quickly changed. Because I only got in when we were 20 ahead or 20 behind. But up to that point, my perception was I was part of the team, even though I never played. I would practice and throw people around practice. But, I mean, when I got in, I would shoot from half court. I, I, I launch it. I mean, team, what team? Give me the ball. I'm shooting. And, you know, and I can tell you some really funny stories, but I don't got time. But I just tell you this. It was really embarrassing sitting there and listening to the whole bleachers section. I mean, we, we had a small school, but it made a lot of noise when they were all kicking the stands. Uh, we want Wilbur. And I, I didn't even, like, I had nowhere to hide, nowhere to go. I had to sit there. And then eventually the coach, it's kind of like the movie Rudy, going in there. <laughs> we got nothing to lose. We're losing anyways. And, but... I think we'll go through times like that in our life when we feel uncomfortable with ourselves and we perceive ourselves to be, uh, uh, you know, not, not the winner. And I think it's when you have other people that come around you and go, just like my friends did in that basketball team, you know, they're like, you know, they would encourage me, <laughs> even though I never played, but you need to have friends that encourage you. And uh, in First John 3 and 16... Let's turn there. First John 3.16. Why don't you all stand? That way you hear the scripture for real. You're, why don't you stretch once first? Tonight, when you left the house, and thank God you did, you talk about some overcomers. Anybody that would have gotten in a car and come to church tonight, I think, Pastor, you can pen them down as Christian. Because it was cold. If I wasn't preaching, no, I'm just kidding. I, I came anyways. But I wasn't going to turn down the preaching opportunity. <laughs> but it was cold. And man, even preaching, I thought about how I went outside. I'm wondering, I wonder if we're having church. <laughs> so you're already Christian. So we already come to the agreement that everybody in here is a Christian. Now, how did you think about God when you left home tonight? Or when you left the job? Or... When you got up some morning. Because here's how we need to perceive them. First John 3.16. It would be good for you to read the John 3.16s. But First John 3.16 it says. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. If we can perceive in our mind. How much God loved us. To go to the cross and to do the things that he did. If we can perceive the embarrassment of being hung on a cross naked in front of your family. I mean, folks, you know, when they're two and one and they're naked, that's one thing. But when, I just thank God for clothes, that's all I'm gonna say.
And I couldn't imagine an embarrassment, even if I have to take off my shirt nowadays because I'm not real, real buff anymore. Um, if I was gonna play pickup basketball and I had to take off my shirt, I'd be like, dude, I, I'm really gonna go home. Because <laughs> I would be embarrassed. Now, can you imagine Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, on the cross, dying for our sins, our sins, how much love he had for us. And if we can perceive that, if we can really clearly see that, then when somebody does something to us, we'll say to ourselves, remember Calvary? When they really hurt us and we don't have it coming, and I mean, we, sometimes we have it coming, we just don't think we do, but, but let's just say we don't have it coming. Let's say somebody just hurts us and we didn't have it coming. If we perceive the love of God, we perceive that the same thing happened on Calvary and the Lord said, he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Amen. If we can perceive him to be the God that he is, I think that our lives will be a whole lot better. Amen. So, um, if, if you got a few minutes, well, let's just come to the altar and let's just tell them how much we love them and let's try to perceive him in our mind as what he is. He's the counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the healer. So why don't you just come on up and talk to him and tell him all the things you think he is. Maybe think about some of the things that he's did for you in your life. Thank you for salvation, Lord. You're the savior. Thank you for having us having a home. You're the provider. Thank you, Lord. For keeping our marriage together, you're the counselor. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.